0: Right, welcome, everyone. It is good to see you guys here today. So, my name is Zach. Um, I'm the student pastor here, so I get to hang out with the middle schoolers, the high schoolers, the young adults. Um, so, I'm not Pastor Mike. He is getting some well deserved rest, so I get the chance to hang out with you guys today, so I'm really excited. So, like I said, I'm in, a, I'm in student ministry, and I'll just say this right now if you have never been around student ministry or anything like that, it is not. For the faint of hearts. I'll tell you that honestly, uh, man. Sometimes they can be a hard audience to speak to. Sometimes um, it feels like it's really hard to get through to them. But um, I will just say this: what I love about student ministry, and I believe this with, with all of my heart, that it is the most fun, and it can feel like it is the most rewarding ministry. So I just love it. I love being here. I love serving our students. I love hearing their stories and being a part of your guys' families. And it's just a really um, awesome thing I get to be a part of here at this church. So love the privilege of getting and hanging out with you guys. And today, um, I get the privilege of kicking off this new series we're in called What If. And kind of the whole idea behind this series is we're going to start just acknowledging where it is that we're at in life right now. And we want to start to imagine, we want to start to envision where is it that God wants to be taking us next. And we want to start just thinking about what would our life truly start to look like moving forward if we just completely surrendered to the teachings of Jesus. So what if is going to be the idea behind this series. And so one of the things that I get to do a lot as a pastor is I get to hear from a lot of different people. And I get to hear from a lot of people's struggles and what they're going through and just hear their stories. And at the same time, you know, I'm a young dad living in this life too. I got three kids. I got twins that are three years old. I got um, an eight-month-old that's almost, uh, almost turning nine months. And so, man, I feel like I'm going through it too. And I'm just telling you this because... I think it's important for us to acknowledge right now that I think a lot of us here this morning are feeling like maybe we're in a very similar place, that it's true to say that yes, like the whole craziness of like COVID is over, but I don't think any of us have quite still recovered just from the pandemic alone. And then I think a lot of us right now are just feeling tired, right? Many of us are feeling like we're being spiritually attacked, Many of us are just tired and we're ready just to give up because we're tired of the struggle, we're tired of being let down, we're tired of all the pressures that are placed on us, and then on top of that, we're still just left feeling very disconnected. Disconnected from each other, disconnected from God. You know, I talk to a ton of people, and many, especially young people, will tell me that they really are struggling with right now, wondering, am I actually saved or not? And when you're stuck in that place of not actually knowing whether you're going to go to heaven or not, what that does is that just totally paralyzes your faith and your walk with Jesus. And I think a big reason for that, I don't think any of us here today need a finger pointing at us, telling us that we're sinners. I think if we were to take an honest poll, I think most of us here today would be the first to admit, yes, I'm a sinner. But I don't think that's because we're trying to be humble Christians. I think for a lot of us, I think we are struggle with guilt I think we feel condemned. I think we feel unworthy. I feel like we're not righteous enough. And so we're stuck in this paralyzing place right now. <clears throat> And I just say all that right now because I want us to acknowledge that up front. I want to say I understand that. I know where we're at because before we jump into this message today and before we jump into series and we start talking about some awesome stuff like you are a son, you are a daughter of God, that we are redeemed, holy, and righteous people, and we start talking about all this stuff, it's never going to quite make sense to us until you understand the fullness of God's grace. You'll never actually accept this identity God is wanting to give you today. And so I'm going to pray right now, and I'm just going to truly pray that this message can really help someone today. Because this has incredibly helped me in my own faith with God, in my own walk with Jesus, just preparing this. And so I pray it can help you too. So if you'll pray with me. Father, Lord, as we talk about your kingdom today, and very simply, Lord, as we just talk about this love you have for us, Lord, I pray your spirit just fill this room right now. Speak to our hearts Let us hear what we need to hear from you today, God. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So like I said, today we are talking about the kingdom of God. And so if you've been with us or if you haven't been with us, it's important to know we have been journeying through the book of Luke. And so we're here today at chapter 13. And today Jesus is going to be talking um, about a passage specifically about the kingdom of God. So let's check it out right here. This is out of Luke 13, and we're just going to be in verses 18 through 21 today. So Jesus says this. He said, then Jesus said, what is the kingdom of God like? How can I illustrate it? He says, it's like a tiny mustard seed that a man planted in a garden. It grows and becomes a tree, and the birds make nests in its branches. He also asked, what is the kingdom of God like? It is like a yeast a woman used to make bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough." Now, interestingly, on this passage, man, a lot of scholars have a lot of different ideas and a lot of different understandings about what this is supposed to mean, but kind of just to keep it simple, the, the generalized, unanimous kind of understanding of what Jesus is saying here is this, is um, the mustard seed that's used to um, grow into a huge tree is explaining that the kingdom of God brings an outward growth. I mean, at the kingdom of God, talking about numerically here, the kingdom of God is, is meant to grow, The kingdom of God is for everyone. Everyone is invited into the kingdom of God if they so take the invitation. And the yeast that permeates all of the dough is meant to explain that the kingdom of God brings an inward growth. The kingdom of God is meant to transform us from the inside out. Now here's the deal. Before we jump into this and explain all this, I think we need to just take a step back right now and ask ourselves, what in the world is the kingdom of God? Right, if you hear this being talked about a lot, maybe you hear you read it about a lot in scripture, you hear Christians talk about it a lot, and we hear it all the time, but honestly, what really is the kingdom of God? And this is important for us to talk about because Jesus himself. This was the very thing that Jesus talked about more than anything else. The concept of the kingdom of God was everything for Jesus. In fact, he understood his whole entire purpose in coming to this earth was to bring the kingdom of God and to explain to us what the kingdom of God is. 100% of his life, all of his teachings, all of his parables, his examples and way of living was all revolved around the kingdom of God. And so if we want to understand what Jesus is all about, then we have to understand what the kingdom of God is all about. And so here's what we're going to do. Um, actually, let me, read you, let me read you this verse right here. This is out of Luke uh, 4.43. Jesus says this himself in the very beginning of his ministry. He says, um, but he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns too. Because that is why I was sent. The NIV even says, this is, for this was my purpose. So again, like I said, it's important to understand what is the kingdom of God. And so what we're going to do today is I'm going to spend maybe just five, ten minutes here doing a little bit more teaching for us right now. And I don't know if you guys have been in school for a little while, if it's been a while, but I'm just going to ask if you could do your best just to pay attention here and to focus here. Not only is this going to help us um, know where this message is going and set us up for the end of this message, I hope that this can kind of set us up for the rest of the series. And best case scenario, I hope just hearing this right now can maybe start to make the whole Bible make sense to you, and maybe you'll learn something new here this morning. So here we go. What is the kingdom of God? You know, one of mankind's, like, greatest philosophical questions there is, is what is the meaning of life, right? It seems people spend their whole lives trying to answer that question, but the Bible actually makes it really simple. It's actually one of the easiest questions to answer in the Bible. If you want to know what this life is all about, you got to just read the first few chapters of the Bible, which talk about why God created the world, and then read the last few chapters in the Bible, which talks about God's ultimate redemption for the world. And everything in the middle is just explaining what God is doing in this present age, And so if we're to start talking about what is the kingdom of God, we got to start all the way back in Genesis chapter 1, which tells us why God created this world, and more importantly, why God created us. And it very simply says God created this world, and he created us for us to know him, and he created us to have dominion to rule over this world like like a manager. And so here's what it says in Genesis chapter 1. It says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, Reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So there it is. That is why God created us. He created us to be um, in his image and we bear his image in the way that we rule and have dominion over this world. And that word right there, that word reign, that word, uh, other translations even say that word rule. That's a kingdom word right there. And so here's the statement I'm going to be trying to explain today. You can throw that next slide up there. That the kingdom of God is God's own rule. I mean, it's his own establishment. The kingdom of God is his own rule. It's his reign over all. And the good news for us is our God is a God who likes to share. He's a very communal God. And so what he did is he created this and he created us in his image and the way that we reflect him and reflect his image is the way that we care for this world and the way that we love one another. Therefore, God gave us dominion over this world to be like managers. Have you guys ever worked for a bad manager? <laughs> right, the power gets to their head a little bit. They start thinking they run the place, they own the place and they kinda, it makes for a really bad uh, you know, experience for you. That's what happened to us. God said, go and rule this world, reflect my image. He created heaven and earth to be one. But like a bad manager, we started to let the power go to our heads. And what that meant is we started to want to be like God rather than serve God. And what that means is we started to reject God's standard for what is right and wrong. And we started to want to set our own standard for what is right and wrong. And that is the very sin that separated us from God. That is the sin that separated us from his goodness, from his righteousness, from his perfection, and ultimately it's what separated us from his love. It was a hostile takeover we tried to do, take over the world and push God out of the way. And so we get to read in the rest of the Bible, what has God been doing now? How has God been working in humanity to reestablish his kingdom among the people that he loves? Because this is what's important to understand. God's ultimate, his ultimate desire for humanity is to be one with the people he created to love. God's ultimate desire is to be connected to humanity. So as you hear this, we get to kind of see and have a little bit of understanding of maybe why the world is the way it is right now. So we read that all of mankind continues to reject God, push God out of the way. So what God does is he gathers to himself a a people group. And he calls them the Hebrews. And they're like, they're not the most strongest or the most like awesome people group, but he gathers them together and he forms them into a nation called Israel. And the purpose of this nation, the purpose of these people is they were to be a reflection to the rest of the world about what it looks like when you are in direct relationship with the creator, with God. And so what made them most distinct as a nation of Israel is apart from all the other kingdoms in the world is Israel was the only kingdom that was in direct relationship with God. I mean, they had no earthly king. Because their king was God, and God wanted to show the rest of the world what it looks like when we follow God, when we follow his standard for right and wrong. Amen. But I'm not even kidding. You can read this in First Samuel. They literally started to complain like little kids, and they started talking to God, and they said, but God... All the other nations have kings. Why can't we have one too? Literally, that's what they said. So God astoundingly lets them have a king. These kings, once again, the power gets to their head, and God and these kings drive God's people into the ground, once again separate themselves from the heart of God, and they get taken again into slavery. And so what the Old Testament does is it ends with God speaking through his prophets. And he speaks to his prophets and to the people, and he makes them a promise. He goes, Look, all of this is messed up. He, mankind just continues to reject God over and over and over again. But God speaks to his prophets and says, Listen, I'm going to fix this. And the way that he said, I'm going to fix this is, I'm giving you a promise that I'm going to send you a Messiah. I'm gonna send you a savior and he is gonna be the king that's gonna establish my kingdom. And listen to me, this kingdom is gonna be bigger. It is gonna be better than any kingdom you've ever seen. Not only am I gonna gather again Israel, but it's gonna be a kingdom over all the world. I'm sending you a king. And so this is what the people were waiting for. This is what they were looking in anticipation for, for this Messiah. But here's what everyone failed to realize. Everyone failed to realize the reason that everyone just keeps rebelling against God. Even the very people that God gathered together for himself, they too rejected God and didn't want to be uh, under his reign. The reason for that was we have an internal corruption called sin, right? It's something that happens on the inside of us, right? Sin is not something that we, sin is, we don't become sinners just because we choose to sin. We become sinners and we sin because we can't stop being sinners on the inside, I mean, just think about this for a second. Think about what you struggle with, like, the most, right? You know, don't, don't gotta say it. Don't raise your hand or anything like that, but just think about it right now. Like, just think, if you really struggle with anger, which is a big one, can you just, like, when that rage just kind of fills you up and it comes over you, can you just, like, mm, mm, okay, it's gone, and just make it just go away? No. It goes for everything. It goes for when you struggle with unforgiveness, which I think is the biggest one, um, lust, jealousy. Can you just grit your teeth and be, like, mm ah. I made it go away. You can't, we can't do that. We are helpless to the corruption and the power of sin that grips us. We need to be saved from sin. And what God was never interested in is establishing an earthly kingdom full of broken sinners. Remember, God's greatest desire for us is for our hearts to be connected to him. This is why everyone had such a hard time with Jesus. Because Jesus brought a kingdom that no one expected. Jesus came not to establish an earthly kingdom conquering nations. He came for a kingdom inside our hearts conquering sin. And when we start to understand this better, it makes a whole lot more sense when Jesus starts to say things like this. In John um, chapter 18, check out, Jesus says... He says, listen, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom, meaning it's not like an establishment. It's not a building. It doesn't have borders. It's not a place in the world. If it were, he says, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. He says, but my kingdom is not of this world. And he even says this in Luke, where we're going to get to a little bit later. Like I said, we're in Luke 13 today. We're going to get to chapter 17 later. But I want us to check out this verse. He says, one day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there, for the kingdom of God is already among you. Or I even love how the King James says, says for the kingdom of God is within you. So again, the kingdom of God is God's own rule. It's his reign over all. And listen to me right now before I move on. When Jesus died on that cross for our sins, and when he rose again on that third day, He proved once and for all his claims that he was the king and that he has brought the kingdom. When he rose from the dead conquering sin, conquering death, he proved in that moment that he is the king of kings. Not only over this world, but in the world to come. Not only in the world we can see, but in the realm we can't see. Jesus overcame it all and proved that he is the king of kings. And so here's what I, if you have your note sheets and you're following along, here, let me just summarize everything I just said right now so we can kind of move on from this. So if you want to write this down, it's on the screen. If you want to just remember this, here, here's just a summary of what I was trying to say here. The kingdom of God rules over a sin that is inside of us. The kingdom of God is not of this world because it is within us. And Jesus is the king who rules our hearts. So the kingdom of God is his rule over sin in our hearts. And before I move on, I want to just say, this is how the kingdom of God works in this present age. Remember I said, if you want to know God's ultimate plan for redemption, read the last few chapters in the Bible. It talks about how God's fullness, the completion of his kingdom, where we are going when we are in the fullness of his kingdom, what that will look like. Let me just read this to you, and I want you just maybe to to just close your eyes and envision this. This is out of Revelation 21, talking about what's going to happen in the fullness when we come into the, the completion of God's kingdom, his ultimate plan, his ultimate direction that he's taking us in. It says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All things will be gone forever. So we know that's where God is taking us. His kingdom now is inside of our hearts. I wanna leave you today with just some, hopefully some good application for us to think about. For us to understand what the kingdom of God is and now to understand what does it mean for us? What does it mean for you? And so like I said, I'm going to walk us through just a few points here about um, what the kingdom of God is. Because if you are a child of God, that means that you have the fullness of God's kingdom living in your heart. And so I'm going to walk us through just a little bit of an illustration here for you to look at and for you to kind of just take a self-assessment of your life to maybe think about where you're at right now. Because remember, we're starting this series called What If? And today we want to start to imagine, we want to start to think, what if I really started to live with the kingdom of God and its fullness inside of me? So here's an illustration right here. You're going to throw that first image on there. What this is, it says 160 hours. This um, is a line with 168 little lines right here, each of these lines representing an hour. All of us have 168 hours in our week. And so I want us just to think through maybe how most of us spend our time in our weeks. Okay, this is going to be a general uh, uh, generalization, but you can kind of track with me here. All right? the most depressing statistic that is true for all of us is all of us right away up front, we spend about a third of our time sleeping. Okay, if we're to take like, you know, the average eight hours a night, uh, you know, some of us get more than that, some of us get way less than that. Um, But just generally, most of us spend about a third of our time sleeping right there. And then you got to factor in, okay, most of us are working right now, we go to school. Even if you're retired, I've talked to a lot of guys that are retired, you guys just stay busy, no one likes to chill anymore. So a lot of us are, are about 40 hour work week with work and school. So right there, there's about like two-thirds of our time gone. We have about 72 hours remaining in our week. What do we do with that time? Now, here's a really interesting statistic. Uh, the national average, right, if you've got Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, anything like that, they said the average uh, American spends about 17 to 20 hours a week just on social media, so, you can put that on there, and it'd be even worse if I was to really guilt us right now, we're to pull out our phones and check our screen time. I bet you that's lowballing it a lot right there. But just generally speaking, here for us, now we have about 52 hours in our week remaining. What do we do with that time, our only bit of free time now? Well, we're just gonna call this stuff. Okay, this is all the stuff we do. If you're a parent, this is all the games and recitals and practices and homework, all the cleaning you got to do, all the grocery shopping you have to do, all the self care about going to the gym, maybe watching movies, Netflix, all the stuff that just takes all of our time and makes us so busy. Now, if you notice, we got one little line here at the end. What is that for? Oh, right. We're Christians, right? We have one hour, we come to church, and we're here, and we get to spend time with God. We can't forget that. We made it to church service, Give ourselves a pat on the back. Now we can say, I'm a Christian. <laughs> Here's the problem with that. right? We know that if you spend just one hour a week on anything significant, one if you spend one hour a week only in your marriage, you're probably not going to have the most thriving marriage. If you were to spend only one hour a week doing homework, probably aren't going to be, you know, graduating at the top of your class. If you spend only one hour a week dieting and exercising, and then the rest of your week it's like party it up, ice cream and pizza, you know, you're probably not going to reach the fitness goals that you're hoping for. And so when we look at this, If the one hour a week we have at church is disconnected from everything else we do throughout our week, how in the world can we possibly expect God to work in our lives? How can we ever expect God to have this thriving personal relationship that he desires from us? And so I want to do this for us right now. I want to give us just two takeaways to end here this morning. For us to start thinking about how we can totally change our relationship with God. But I can tell you this right now, I can promise you this, I can guarantee you this, that image we just showed, where we just spent, I mean, God's kingdom, God had no intentions for the fullness of his kingdom to be in your life by just coming to a one-hour church service a week. The kingdom of God that he desires for you to be a part of is something that is so much bigger, so much more exciting, so much more full than that. And so here's two things to think about when it comes to what does the kingdom of God mean for you? And so now we're going all the way back to the passage we started with, with Jesus. Right, where Jesus talked about what is the kingdom of God like. And so number one, it's not on the screen here, if you want to just hear this or write it down somewhere. Number one, the kingdom of, in, the, in the kingdom of God, it's personal. In the kingdom of God, it's personal. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. That's, I mean, The mustard seed is like the tiniest seed Ever. It's like a really tiny little seed. And he says it grows. You throw it in, it grows to become this huge tree where all the birds of the air come and make their nest in it. I mean, the kingdom of God is meant to have this outward growth. The kingdom of God, Jesus is saying, it's for everyone. Everyone is invited into the kingdom of God. And this is meant to grow and it's meant to expand. I want to ask you guys a question right now. And I want you to think about this. I want you to imagine right now that just boom, right now you get to go to heaven. And once you're here, when you're in heaven, all of your friends are there, all of your family is there, all the perfection of heaven is there that we just read from Revelation. There's no more tears, no more sadness. You know, you get a big old nice house on an ocean view, and it's just all the perfection of heaven is there, but God isn't there. I mean, Jesus isn't there. Would you be okay being there? Would you be excited to be there? If you're thinking about that right now and i mean if your answer is yes you're like that's you know that sounds pretty good and if you're at a place right now where you are even like contemplating it you're like hmm let me think here for a second i guess i can maybe do that you I know mean, i'm not i'm not too sure let me just tell you right now if you're even contemplating that decision you don't love jesus enough you just love the idea of jesus it's the same way as this like when i first met my wife like when i first saw her on our first date we hung out i'm like wow she's beautiful I loved the idea of being together with her. I didn't know her yet. I saw her and I thought it would be like, man, this would be really cool to date her. I loved the idea of her, but I didn't actually love her yet. It wasn't until I spent time with her. It wasn't the first day. It wasn't the second day. It wasn't the third day. It was after spending an incredible amount of time with her that I start then to fall actually in love with her. This may be the most important thing I'm gonna say to us here today. And I want you to hear this and I might have to say it a couple times. Your salvation means nothing if it's not leading you directly into a personal relationship with Jesus. You want to talk about how do we know if we're saved or not? Let me say that again. Your salvation means nothing if it's not leading you into a personal relationship with Jesus. I mean, do you really understand how much God loves you? I think we get caught up so much times not feeling it very much. But the Bible says that God knows the very number of hairs that are on your head. That he hears every thought you think, every prayer you say, every tear he catches. He's with you in every moment, in every action, everywhere you go. There's nothing God wants more than a personal relationship with you. And let me just show you really quick how personal, like how incredibly personal personal is between you and god check out what it says here in revelation talking about when we get to heaven it talks about that god's going to give us a nickname that's just between you and him listen what it says here he says anyone with ears to hear must listen to what the spirit um listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches to everyone who is victorious meaning all of us that uh, put our faith in jesus i will give some of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven then check out this he says i will give to each one a white stone And on that stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. God's going to give you a name just between you and him that no one else is going to know. It's going to be your little thing just between you and him that just goes to show that God has such an incredible personal love for you. That's such a cool verse. I love that verse if you've never heard it. And let me say something incredibly significant right now. Yes, when we get to heaven, it says God is going to give us a nickname. But right now, the moment, the instant that you put your faith in Jesus, the moment you say Jesus is my king and I'm putting my faith in him to be my savior, right then and there, God gives you a new name. It says God makes you a new creation. What that means, when you enter into the kingdom of God, listen, you got to drop those titles and labels the world's been putting on you. God says, listen, you are not the addict, you are not the alcoholic, you are not the coward, you are not the widow, you are not the broken, you are not the condemned, you are covered by my blood, Jesus says, you are my son, you are my daughter, don't let anyone make you think anything less about yourself. So let me just ask you right now, do you desire to want to know God? Do you desire to want to love God? Here's the action step. If you are feeling like you're disconnected from God and it's so hard to break that cycle, uh, again, don't feel bad if you feel this way. I've talked to a lot of people that have actually said, Zach, I know how to, this is a young adult that told me, Zach, I know how to be with God when when I'm at church, but I don't really know what to do outside of church. Let me just show you this right now. This is how simple it can be for us. Walk with the Spirit every day and every moment. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom, and he says all things will be added to you. I'll admit right now, you're like, that doesn't sound that simple. Every day of every moment, that sounds really hard, actually. Let me put that picture on here again for us. This is what this means. It's two things. One, it's just a mindset shift. I, I don't have time to get into all this right now, but do you understand how incredibly awesome it is that because Jesus' blood covers you, that all of your sin is taken away, that God sees you as so perfect, so holy, so righteous, that he puts his very spirit, spirit to live inside of you. He says, you are so holy now that I'm going to make you my temple. And because the spirit of God is with you and it lives in you, you need to have a mind shift um, switch to understand that God is with you everywhere you go. When you start your day and say, God, I want to just know you more, rule my heart today. God can even be with you in your sleep. Let me tell you that. You can start praying for God, speak to your dreams. That's biblical. It's cool. You can, whatever you need there. But also God is with you in your work. He's with you at school. He's with you when you're talking to your friends, to your families, to your coworkers. He's with you With your eyes and what you're looking at on the screens. He's with you in all the other stuff when you're talking to your family members, when you're talking to your kids, when you're talking to your parents. God is with you in all of it. Just seek to be with God. Seek to talk with Him. Seek to walk with Him in everything you do because you are a child of God. So here's the second thing, and here's what I'll end with here this morning. If you want to write this down, write down, in God's kingdom, you have authority. This is important. In God's kingdom, you have authority. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a little bit of yeast that permeates the whole entire dough. And I'm just going to read this to you. In Galatians 4:6. it says, because you are his sons or because you are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, Listen, because you are God's son, because you are his daughter, I think it's time for a lot of us to tell the devil he's got to leave in areas of our life that he has no authority to be. Listen, you have a king that is with you, a king of kings that not only rules in this life, and the life we can't see, he is a king that is fighting our battles. It's time for a lot of us to start praying like we believe a king who actually holds the power. Man, I see too many Christians have this like, woe is me attitude, like, oh, I'm just such a sinner, God, I can't get it right, I'm never perfect. That's the whole point, you are a sinner, but it's not your perfection that gets you to God, it's Jesus' righteousness that is placed on you. Do you realize when you come and you pray and you talk to God, he sees the fullness of his son's perfection over you? Yes, it's important we can confess our sins, it says, because God is faithful to forgive, but I think we need to start praying a little bit more on the offensive. I think it's fine for us to start praying like we believe the kingdom of God actually has power and it has power to work through us. I think it's time for us to start each day, and we got to start. If we want to see God's power work through us, we start here and we say, God, I need you to be the king of my heart. I'm tired of starting living things my way. God, I need you to be the king of my heart. Because if you want God's power to work through you, it's got to come through humility. And we got to start praying, God, I want to start seeing your power heal my marriage. I want to start seeing your power break these addictions. I want to see your power start reaching my kids. I want to see your power start reaching my coworkers. I want to see your kingdom start reaching my, my kids, soccer, coach, God, whoever it is. I want to see you start reaching people. Listen, when Jesus said we're to pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. What he was saying is we got to start praying for God to start breaking the powers of darkness that is around us. God's kingdom is the kingdom that rules our hearts over the power of sin. I'm going to end right now, and I want to just give us this visual illustration. They kind of end right now, since we're talking about the kingdom of God, the fullness of God's grace, knowing that you are loved, knowing that God sees you as his son, his daughter. Um, I want to read you this quote. Uh, I read it a long time ago. It's from the Ragamuffin Gospel, if you've ever heard of it. I'll admit, I read this, like, this quote is, like, on the first page, and I read you the first page, and I was like, "It's all I need. I don't think I've read more of the book. But this quote is really, really great. <laughs> Let me read it to you guys. It says, because salvation is by grace through faith, I believe among the countless number of people standing in front of the throne and in front of the Lamb, dressed in white robes and holding palms in their hand. A reference to Revelation 7. says, says, I will see the prostitute from Kit Kat Ranch in Carson City who tearfully told me she can find no other employment to support a two-year-old son. I shall see the woman who had an abortion and is haunted by guilt and remorse but did the best she could faced with the grueling alternatives. The business the businessman besieged with debt who sold his integrity in a series of desperate transactions. The insecure clergyman addicted to being liked who never challenges people from the pulpit and longed for unconditional love. The sexually abused teen taken advantage by his father and is now selling his body on the street who falls asleep each night after his last encounter and whispers the name of the unknown God he learned about in Sunday school. The deathbed comber who for decades had his cake, ate it, broke every law of God of man and wallowed in lust, but how, we ask? Then the voice says, they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. So there they are, there we are, the multitude who so wanted to be faithful, but at time got defeated, soiled by life, and by trials, wearing the bloodied garments of life's tribulations, but through it all clung to faith. My friends, if that is not good news to you, it says, then you have never understood the gospel of grace. Listen, God never intended you for to live in a place of not knowing whether you're saved or not. It says in uh, Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that Christ raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen. Listen, here's my greatest desire from this message. I hope if you hear this today, whatever stuck out to you, whatever you heard, whatever you didn't hear, is that you can understand not only how incredibly much God loves you, but you'll go home today and just spend time with God. That you'll do what Jesus says. He says, listen, go into your room where no one is, close the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And then wake up the next day and do the same thing. And then wake up the next day and pray to your God who hears in secret. And you might know and hear about this love that God loves you. And you might feel a disconnect in your heart. But the same way you're going to go and pray to God, and you might not feel anything that first day. Maybe God will incredibly in, in meet you in that moment. I've had moments where I cried out desperately to God and he's met me in that moment. I've had times where I prayed and just nothing happened. And you might go the second day and the third day and the fourth day. And I'm telling you, if you just start seeking God day after day, not only when you start to have this supernatural love and connection to God that you didn 't even know was possible you 'll start to see as Jesus said, the kingdom transform you from the inside out Amen. so i 'm going to pray for us today, but I want to remind you the kingdom of God is for you. Let me pray <clears throat> Father, we come before you right now, and I say this so many times, Lord, but we should never never take for granted just by being able to come before you and say, Father. That is a title we didn't earn. That is a title that was given to us to call you that. Father. Lord, I don't know who your Spirit is speaking to here today. I don't know who needs to hear this. Lord, this, is, this is something Lord, that I need a reminding of day after day. Just, it's never not awesome to hear about how much you love us, God. So what I pray, Lord, that we become a church, not built around a service, but built around a kingdom. I pray we become a church, Lord, that is excited not only to just know about you, but to be living for you. God, I pray you open up our hearts and you just remind us how incredibly powerful you are, how much you love us. I pray you move us into confidence, God, to know that we don't need to be stuck on our sin, Lord. I pray in full confidence, whatever anyone is struggling with here today, whatever any addictions or holding on to people, if we just run to you with everything we have, God, stop focusing on our mistakes and start focusing on how much we wanna know you, Lord, that will change our heart to lead us towards repentance. I pray your spirit guides us in understanding that, Father. So we thank you that you love us, God. We thank you that you died on the cross for our sins. We say all this with joy and with uh, celebration, Lord. In your name, Jesus, amen. amen. So we're going to go into a time of, of communion right now. And really, I feel like, I don't know, it's just kind of thinking about this right now, sometimes this can kind of be like a little bit of a, like a, a low moment. <laughs> A moment to remind ourselves that we are sinners and we need Jesus. But really what this is supposed to be, Jesus says that we're supposed to do this in remembrance. He says, take the bread to remember my body that was sacrificed for you. In our case here today, take the juice to remember my blood that was shed for you. This is once again the reminder that we need and the celebration that we have that it's not my righteousness, Jesus, it's yours. I don't know about you, but I will proclaim, I I encourage you to proclaim this to God maybe right here, right now. I have to say this out loud so many times. I say, God, I'm coming to you right now in in the blood of your son. Not because God needs to remember that, but because I need to remember that, that I have direct access to you, God. I might not feel like I'm good enough, but I know because of you, Jesus, I can talk to you, God. And so if you're here today and you have never actually put your faith in Jesus, if you've never actually said, I want Jesus to be my king, I want to be saved, I want eternity, I want to know you, God, that I want to encourage you right now for the very first time to just close your eyes before you take communion and just say, Jesus, I ask that you forgive me and I commit my life to following you. I believe you are the king, I believe you died on the cross, and I believe you resurrected, and I'm ready to follow you if you just will commit your life to Jesus, as you take communion right now, maybe for the first time, God, Jesus' blood is washing over you. You are clean, you are holy, you are perfect, and God sees you and you now become God's son, you become his daughter. I'm gonna head off stage right now, but before I do, I wanna let you know if you make that decision, if you wanna recommit that decision, if you need some help in in whatever you're struggling with, if you just need some people to pray over you, if you still got questions, I encourage you to know this is a family. This is not a service, this is a family. And you can head back over here and we have connect cards, we have pastors here who will talk to you, will come around you and let you know, hey, you're you're welcome here in this family and you're not alone, you don't have to struggle alone, and we're with you. Most of all, God is with you. So, Father, we just... uh, Lift up this time to you in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here, and we'll see you next time.